Raphael, a few announcements before we get into this month's podcast, or this time period's podcast, this random time period's podcast. My, my guest and I have kind of a deep think conversation about a possible conspiracy called the family. Um, uh, an author named Jeff Charlotte has sort of brought this odd Christian society into the light, and he's been doing a lot of podcasts about it. Uh, this month's podcast assumes you already have a bit of knowledge about the family. Uh, if this is the first time you've heard of this group, uh, you might find this a bit kind of uh, inside chatty stuff. So let me suggest first listening to uh, DJ Grothy's excellent Point of Inquiry episode with uh, Jeff Charlotte, uh, and then come back for an extended ramble about the implications on Conspiracy Skeptic, my podcast. Also note the link on my webpage, uh, yrad.com forward slash cs, uh, for the JREF, that's the James Randi Educational Foundation's new Citibank fundraising credit card. It's a great way to send some cash money Randy's way, and I guess DJ Grothy's way. He's the new president of JREF. So congratulations, DJ. Uh, so yeah, so apply for the credit card and uh, send cash money JREF's way in DJ's way. And the cool thing is, you don't even have to do anything. It won't cost you anything. You just got to apply for the credit card. And then I guess the first time you use the credit card, then cash money gets sent to the JREF. So that's pretty awesome. But I don't think you can apply for it if you live outside of the USA. I think you have to be a legal resident of the USA. So if you're like Canadian, uh, I think you're out of luck. Also, before we get into the podcast, please give a listen to George Robb's uh, excellent music promo for uh, JREF's Season of Reason. This comes from JREF, so it's it's you know not a funny song George has done for my podcast. I don't even think George Robb knows I'm alive in this world. And he's certainly not writing songs for the show. So, I'm just saying, don't be real impressed. Like, you know, me and George were like, you know... We're like this. You can't see what I'm doing because it's a podcast, but I'm kind of touching my crotch while I say we're like this. Okay, on with the show. And may you have a happy and efficient Christmas, as always. Are your friends telling you that your lack of a love life is because Mars isn't rising in the house of Jupiter and that it's just like a Sagittarius to question things? Have Suzanne Summers and Jenny McCarthy become the sole source of medical advice for your mother-in-law? Have you had to argue the fact that the efficacy of coffee enemas has not been proven by science? Has the use of the evolution is just a theory argument driven you to the point of telling your co-workers to... Okay, stop using gravity then. As dealing with dowsers, arguing with anti-vaxxers, harping on homeopathists, quarreling with collations, squabbling with Scientology, and bickering with Bigfoot left you wondering, what can I do to fight the woo? Then head on over to the James Randi Educational Foundation at www.randy.org and contribute to the Season of Reason fundraising campaign by clicking on the donate button. Every dollar you give helps fight Woo the world over. Don't just get frustrated. 
get involved. Donate at www.randi.org. Welcome back to another episode of The Conspiracy Skeptic. I'm your conspiracy skeptic, Carl Maymer. And with me today is my guest, uh, Stephen Cleghorn. Stephen? Hi, how are you, Carl? Good. And uh, I'm, I'm trying something a little new at Stephen. Um, Stephen is a uh, – well, he's a UFO nut. No, uh, no, that's not what I'm trying to. No, Stephen is uh, – St- Stephen's someone who just – you're a listener, right, Stephen? I'm a fan, Carl. Oh, okay, <laughs> you're a fan, and uh, and you, every now and then I get people sort of email me, you know, a conspiracy like, "Ooh, could you cover this? Could you cover that?" And and uh, but then I'm like, I never get around to it. So uh, so I thought to myself, you know, why not once in a while have a uh, a listener on, you know, someone who sort of emails me a conspiracy uh, that uh, that uh, you know. The person wants me to cover because obviously they're you know they probably know they probably know a lot more about it than I do and I thought well why not just actually have that listener on as a guest and um, I mean this could open up a huge floodgate because like uh, you know when I look at my download stats I've got about, I've got about four thousand about four thousand people in the fullness of time about four thousand people download each episode so. Uh, uh, I, you know, maybe getting four thousand emails all at once. I don't think so, but that, still, that would be kind of cool. But anyways, so so Stephen, you're kind of my, uh, you're sort of the uh, the. I'm not going to rename the segment conspiracy unplugged, uh, super unplugged or something like that. But uh, you're my <laughs> you're my sort of my first sort of uh sort of whack at this. And and Stephen, boy, it was probably. Ugh, Three or four months ago, you emailed me uh, something. Uh, so it was, it was called, it's called the, the the family or the sort of the the fellowship. Uh, why don't you explain a little bit about uh, the, the family and the fellowship? Well, I just ran across the the book, um, and that was fascinating to me. Only just because I really like a, a white collar kind of conspiracy, and I'm always ready to listen to something like that. Uh, smoke-filled room, cigar-smoking people somewhere secretly uh, you know, right. making their plans. It doesn't really mean that their, their conspiracy might have any impact, but looking back uh, with hindsight, you know, we can, we can point to all kinds of scary, horrible things. And this one, having to do with religion, obviously it has great emotional value right there. Exactly. Because you've got your Christian uh, ultra right uh, or ultra um, fundamentalist uh, people uh, going to the most powerful, the richest and the most influential people around the world and saying, hey, we want to know you. We're behind you because, you know, you've made it. 
And we want to make sure that, you know, you're doing this in the in the right Jesus kind of way. Right, exactly. And when I when I heard that, you know, Jeff Charlotte's book, The Family, when I perused that, I thought to myself, wow, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> think of uh, organizing your own family or think of writing writing a book about it? No, I mean, think think about going to the most wealthy, most powerful ah. people around the world and saying, hey, look, you know, God chose you. That's why you're there. Uh, that's why you're rich and powerful. And we have a message for you, and we want to invite you into our club, and we want to join your club. And from there, we're going to do great things together. Wow. Because if you're going to target a market, you might as well go for the, the people at the top. Wow. I, w- I would have targeted, like, you know, Vietnamese strippers or something like that. But, you know, <laughs> hey, rich people, yeah, they're cool, too. But uh, before we get into it, I should probably get a little bit of background on you. You you sort of came to the Conspiracy Skeptic podcast through, through my other podcast, uh, uh, Soul, Soul Survivors, sort of about living, teaching in Korea. Is, is, is that how it went? That's right. And uh, I actually, back in the 80s, I, I taught in Japan. Okay. So when I started becoming a fan of podcasts and and looking around, surfing iTunes and looking for things to listen to, I found that. And I thought it was it was fun. And it was kind of a parallel experience to what I had in some ways. And that was really interesting. And then once you started with the conspiracy skeptic, I really enjoyed that because I have to travel a lot in my business and I have my iPod and I have my audio books and I have my podcasts and I just really enjoyed your work in the conspiracy skeptic. So cool. So and you're you're kinda you're sort of still you're still stomping around Asia, but you're not you're not teaching anymore, right? No, I have a medical tourism business and we uh, help people go to India and Thailand and Philippines and places like that for inpatient treatment, not for uh, cosmetic or things like that, but to come over because they can't afford to do it in the U.S. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I thought when you said medical tourism, I thought you were sort of, that was sort of the setup for a, a joke, but <laughs> medical tourism is <Nope>. always, always, <laughs> always sort of fun, uh, <laughs> fun topic of humor. But wow, okay, so you're really into the, the whole medical tourism. So, um, yeah, I mean, you must know about Korea with uh, you know, pl- plastic surgery and stuff like that. You ever? You ever I do, that? and it's kind of tragic, actually, because years ago when I was in Korea, we, uh, we had friends there who had the most amazingly gorgeous daughter that I've ever uh, seen. She was just a, a Korean beauty, right. a classic gorgeous Korean beauty. And years and years later, I went back and, and she came across and, and pick, picked us up at the airport. And she had had things done. And I couldn't recognize her. <laughs> and I was heartbroken. <laughs> it's like, oh, well... Yeah, mm. I always found that sort of strange about women in Korea. That 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 they, they, you know, if they just 
put on, you know, sort of no makeup and did no surgery. If they, you know, if they stepped off a plane in North America, they'd be very, very beautiful. They have a lot of sort of natural traits that, that, you know, we associate with beauty, like high cheekbones and, you know, their eyes and sort of stuff like that. And, and, but, but they, they struggle so much in Korea to sort of get rid of those features and sort of look, look like this Western ideal, you know, sort of big round eyes and, uh, you know, and sort of round faces and, you know, blonde hair and stuff like that, that it's like, it's like, you, you don't really understand, you know, <laughs> like if you're trying to achieve this American standard of beauty, like, you know, you're, you're beautiful just yourself stepping off a plane, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, manga eyes, but also in, in India with the obsession for skin lightening. And especially in the male market, you know, there's a ton right. of products now to help Indians look lighter. Right. Wow. Indian males, fair skin and all of that kind of thing. And then we're running around uh, getting skin cancer on beaches in Thailand. Yeah, exactly. Or yeah, it's to the yeah, like the, yeah, like Koreans are really into really white skin and and uh, you know, but then in, in, right in the West, we we sort of really value sort of you know a nice. You know, quote healthy tan, which which isn't so healthy these days. So you know, to have sort of sort of darker skin is kind of a sort of a you know a good thing. But oh, let me ask you the Korean question. So uh, how, uh, how old are you? I'm 51. Okay, and are are you are you married? I was, but uh, I lost my wife. Oh no, my son's in New York City. Okay, uh, I'm free wheeling, uh, single man. In oh. Hong Kong now. Ah, yes. Okay, and, and you're you're actually you're American, right? Yes. Okay. All right. So the whole I'm an American, and I'm an American who's traveled all over the place and never said I was Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> well, over the last eight years, yeah, yeah, I've gone everywhere, and I've people have said, "Where are you from?" I said, "I'm an American." Well, you know, in, in Korea, being Canadian is actually like a negative. I think Canadians are hated more in Korea than even Americans. So, uh, yeah. Why so, is that? Uh, just, well, usually because we're real, we're, we're jerks mostly. Uh, you know, I mean, you, you know, the English teaching thing, a lot of sort of a big drunken lot of us, we all sort of head over there and we just want to sort of drink and chase girls and, and, uh, and, um, you know, and then like, because you know, Canada is the greatest country in the world because our government tells us that. So when you know Americans and Brits and New Zealanders don't sort of recognize we are the greatest country in the world, well, you know, it's we we want to shout them down. So I don't know. So we don't have a great name for ourselves over over at least in Korea. But all right, cool. All right. So so getting One thing good is is over time um, you get over that. After a while, you just kind of accept who you are and the fact that you're outside of your country somewhere else, and it's all good, you know? Exactly, yeah. It's yeah. easy to, to get down on the Brits or get down on the whatever. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, all right. So, uh, uh, Stephen, get, getting back into the, the family. Right. This all sort of came out in a, in a book. Uh, who's the author and what was the name of the book? Jeff Charlotte, The Family. I forgot what the this subtitle was but um yeah jeff charlotte and he's everywhere you can you google jeff charlotte you can see him on youtube he's been on mbc he's probably been on cen he's probably been on you know all the major news networks uh, yeah. and he's he's been interviewed at point of inquiry with dj brothy and he's been on uh, 
I know you and I both listened to uh, Reasonable Doubts, and he was uh, that was a good interview. But, yeah. So if anybody wants to get uh, background on that from the horse's mouth, those are great sources. Right. And, and to, to your credit, I mean, um, I mean, yeah, the, the Jeff Charlotte, like you say, he's everywhere now. He's all, I mean, in a good way because it's a, it's an absolutely fascinating story. But he's doing all the the podcasts and he's in the media. But but to your credit, I mean, you started emailing me about this family stuff. Uh, I mean, a couple months before he sort of really exploded into the scene. I mean, you you sort of. You sort of you sort of had uh, sort of the inside inside track on this, and, and which I thought was was kind of cool. So that's that's another sort of reason I wanted to have you on because you you kind of you know alerted me to this you know a good long time before uh, you know before Jeff Charlotte started sort of doing doing the rounds. But uh, yeah, so uh, well, in in, ge- in general, historically, I mean, we look at things rising up and falling. You know, if there wasn't a an Ottoman Empire, or if there wasn't wasn't a Constantinople, we'd probably all be Muslims right now. And and you you look at at uh, uh, cultural and and uh, religious influences coming, you know, up to an apex, a climax of seeming importance, and then you know, uh, fifty, sixty years later, they're gone. They come and go. They disappear. The thing that's interesting to me about these types of things are, you know, what kind of real impact do they actually have? Uh, they they make great fodder for, for stories and for books and for conversations in pubs and for, uh, you know, uh, paranoid uh, fantasies and right. so on. but. How how what what kind of an impact would this happen? Now imagine these guys, uh, Doug Coe, who's one of the main players in this in this story, who's kind of uh, picked up the the banner from the they, this whole thing started in the 1930s. Right. This a- isn't the first time that these kinds of things have happened. Right. 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 It was kind of a. Uh, it, it, I believe it started sort of as a anti labor movement. Uh, it was my, my sort of old, not my old hometown, but where I used to live in, in Seattle. It kind of started in Seattle, right? Right. Yeah, and, and I think the guy who founded it, um, I don't know his name off by heart, but he, I, I think he sort of sort of started as kind of an anti labor thing that he he didn't like unions and sort of you know. Low union busting, yeah, yeah. That's low in the Bible. <laughs> you know, he found justification for union busting or something like that, which you can find. Uh, you can find everything. Oh, Bible. for sure. I, yeah. I've heard, I've understood, but uh, and you have your old and your new testaments, and you have that whole thing the way they blend together, and it's all mysterious, but it's all there. Yeah, you, you, you sometimes get to... to go up and use for, for yeah. other. Things like yeah. union busting. Yeah, you sometimes get to you get to pick freely from the Old Testament that which you like and ignore the, you know, the stuff about oh, sending bears to eat little children if you know they're making fun of you and stuff like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. So so it started in nineteen thirties and kind of an anti labor thing. But then then the the founder he kind of, you know, he he had a vision or God talked to him directly or something. 
That's usually how it is because this is revelation, right? Right, right. It, something's revealed to you by some mysterious power, and then suddenly you know truth. It could be a big T truth, it could be a small T truth, but it's a truth, and you kind of go with it. And we can't fathom what the real motivations behind behind these people are. They might be absolutely sincere. They might really think that something profound was revealed to them, and they, they're compelled to go out and, and do whatever they do, or, or maybe it's all just a big scam. Right. But yeah, it gets going, and eventually Doug Coe comes into it, and he's the guy that's interesting because he's still with us. And now we're talking about guys who are out there kind of building an elite uh, network, like um, LinkedIn on steroids with <laughs> No, what would Jesus do if he right. had LinkedIn? Right, sort of nailed in or something like that. But exactly. uh, yeah, uh, right. So so um, right. So you had the family, and, the, and so they, were, they started off. They started off. So this anti-union thing, and then, uh, but his real his real into sort of the American politics, like like at the because he started sort of at the civic level, and uh, his real into sort of American politics. It was it was kind of a two pronged thing. One right, he sort of he got he got the. God talked to him directly and said, "said you, you know this whole thing about you know the Sermon on the Mount about you know you know visit the sick and you know tend to the wounded or whatever. That's you can ignore that stuff. What really counts are are the rich people, right? That was sort of his his vision. You know, you know, quit ignoring the the vastly rich and powerful. Exactly, that's tragic. I mean, can you think of anything more?" more ridiculous than to ri- uh, ignore the rich and powerful. I know. I mean, it, it, you know, that's just completely missing from the whole equation. And it's, it just makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. And he had a great term, not, not to minister to the down and out, but to the, um, the up and out or something like that. That was, that was beyond, his, yes, beyond the din of the vox populi. Yeah, and uh, and and then sort of his big sort of entry into the you know at the federal level was was uh, the, this prayer breakfast thing, which which I mean I mean I'm Canadian and I've heard of it because a lot of times I mean especially in the atheist world it's a little bit controversial, but but I think most Americans would would know about this this prayer breakfast thing. Do, do, are you do you know what the prayer breakfast is? I I do, and I've known about it for a long long time, way before any of this came on my radar, you know, way before I ever heard of the family. Yeah, it's it's always been there. I've always taken it as, you know, yeah, 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 we do that. Yeah. So, uh, what was it now? Right, so it, it, they started, I, I don't know, I think maybe it was under Eisenhower that they actually sort of started the That's whole right. prayer breakfast. And it was actually the, the family that were, were the ones who were behind it. I mean, today we, a lot of people may think of it, this is just, you know, maybe something that's gone back to the founding fathers or whatever, but this is you know, like how they they uh, rejigged the Pledge of Allegiance. This is kind of a Cold War, early Cold War, in a quote air quotes innovation or something. This prayer breakfast. Yeah, I think that's that's a good characterization. Yeah. But th- also, what is the family? I mean, I'm still wondering what that is. I mean, what is the family? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, uh, that's, that's the thing, right? Is, uh, they're secret. (laughs) And yet they're not secret. Yeah. 
because they have the prayer breakfast, and everybody knows about that. But what's yeah. underneath the prayer breakfast? And well, that, who is this family? Well, that's the most interesting thing, right? That we've known about the prayer breakfast for such a long time, and, and no one ever really sort of dug beneath the surface and went, well, where did this come from? You know, until this, this Jeff Shalek guy sort of started to look into that. Yeah, that's that's true. And it, and another funny thing on some of the stuff is uh, you have Hillary Clinton and other other luminaries who have been to the prayer meeting and, and all of this type of thing, and they've loved it, and, and they think the guy's a really great guy, but they've never asked, you know, who are you, what's your agenda, what do you do, you know, why are you here, <laughs> you know, how did this prayer breakfast come about? And then when it hits the media and somebody says, well, did you know these people uh, seem to think that Hitler was uh, a really great guy because, you know, they they were loyal to each other and they collaborated and and they they stuck together and and this is what Jesus would do and and so on and so forth. And then uh, Hillary says, well, I didn't know that. (laughs) <laughs> I never said I was following him. I never said I was in his church. I never said I was, you know, uh, a devotee of, of, of Doug Coe. It's just the, you know, the prayer breakfast. Right, right, yeah. I, I mean, the interesting thing about the prayer breakfast is it's, right, it's one of those things where, you know, uh, you, you cannot sort of say no to it. it it's politically bad. It's almost like the, uh, you know, you know, did Glenn Beck murder a girl in 1990? You know, you, you're, you're sort of you, forcing him to, di- I mean, he didn't, but that's just sort of the internet meme, you know. But, you know, you, you now have to make him deny it, you know. And if he denies it, then he almost he almost sort of adds, a, you know, sort of a taint to it and gives it almost a bit of a, a legitimacy or something. But uh, so the same sort of thing with the prayer breakfast idea just sort of seems like, you know, once you sort of create it, once you get, you know, sort of a certain, you know, tipping point of, you know, politicians who who go to it, you know, everybody has to go to it or else it becomes like, you know, why do you hate God? Exactly. It's the missing episode of the West Wing. (laughs) It's like... uh, you know, President, uh, are you really not going to go to the prayer breakfast? You know, you can do a whole episode on that. Right. It's a big deal. Got to get your movers and shakers out there to get the Congress men and women in and, and talk to the staffers and figure out how you're going to spin it for the press and, and all that kind of thing. As you say, if we, don't, if we don't join in and it's become hip and fashionable to join in, Suddenly, there's something wrong with us. You know what's going on, but nobody ever asked the question: uh, What are we joining in on? So the uh, so the, the, the family they they start this prayer breakfast thing, and uh, but but they don't kind of stop there. They they sort of they sort of expand their power base both both sort of uh, domestically and then internationally. Can can you can you talk a bit about that? Well, the the thing you get out of that is that these people are going around. The world um, uh, working with or socializing with or uh, preaching to or counseling or coaching or whatever they do, who knows, with nasty dictators and uh, naughty people like Suharto in Indonesia and so on. 
And uh, they're doing it because um, of what we talked about before. They think God has chosen these people. Obviously, Bill Gates is a multi-billionaire because right. God chose him. It doesn't matter what he believes, but, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're a Muslim or if you're a Buddhist or if you're a Jain or if you're a Catholic or whatever. If you are rich and powerful, uh, God must have chosen you. So we've got to network with these people because we have to insert Jesus into the equation. And the the equation that Doug, I don't know who originated it in the, in their group, but it's Jesus plus nothing. Right, yeah. It's a zero-sum thing. So we've got to go out to these people and we've got to insert the Jesus part into whatever they're doing. If they're killing a million people, uh, dragging Chinese uh, Indonesians through the street behind, you know, Vespas or motorcycles, uh, whatever, we, we've got to bring, bring that into the equation because, you know, uh, there's got to be a reason there. I mean, they, they, they sort of in America, they operate through the, you know, the, the democratic process. I mean, you know, Congress and stuff like that. But, but they, they're not actually, they don't really believe in democracy, do they? This, this, this group. Absolutely not. Yeah. And that's where we get to the, you know, hearkening back to kind of the divine rights of kings and so on. Exactly, uh, yeah. And, and at the end of the day, when you look at, at any, any Christian, um, uh, group, uh, faith or belief or whatever it is. You've got the Old Testament, which is confusing and nasty and, and blah, blah. You've got the New Testament, which makes sense of the Old Testament in some kind of way because it fulfills some prophecy. And you've got Jesus and the cross, and, and everything is all good after that as long as you accept Jesus as being the one and so on. And it all boils down to that. Uh, it all goes through Jesus. Jesus knows the right side of the issue. Right, yeah. You know? I remember, God, it was long, long, long time ago. Um, this thing called Poe's Law, where I believe it's, um, you know, any, any parody of sort of fundamentalism you can possibly come up with uh, is sort of equaled or better by someone who actually believes it. So... Long time ago, I sort of did this like poster. You know how like nutty people, religious people, like poster your neighborhood. So I thought I would write up my own sort of nutty religious poster. And in it, I was sort of talking about you know, you know, I like this guy. I like I did this. I did a search of the Bible, and you know, the word senator appears never appears in the you know in the Bible, but like king and prince. I mean, it appears in the Bible like. You know, dozens and dozens of times. So, yeah. You know, so, the, so the I conclude that you know God doesn't believe in democracy. You know, God wants you know God wants us to be ruled by a king and just all this rambling and stuff. And um, lawless logic. Yeah. Lawless. And uh, lo and behold, <laughs> you know, this uh, this family they actually believe that, right? Yeah. I mean, they, they, it's it's sort of yeah they want to bring it back to the divine right of kings, which. Where the sort of the conspiracy charge maybe kind of comes in, and and this is another sort of reason I kind of wanted to talk about this because right because as you were saying earlier, like it it, it hits all of sort of the your skeptical maybe um, you know sort of left of center sort of uh, or liberal sort of uh, markers you know like 
you know, these fundamentalist Christians that are heavily involved, usually with uh, sort of right-wing politicians, you know, and and, and it, 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 it's very easy to sort of go, aha, big evil conspiracy, and just sort of lay that that, that label on them as, you know, to, uh, you know, to sort of, you know, bring more heat upon them, but, but um it's interesting to sort of examine them in, in that light and go, well, is, I mean, is this really a conspiracy? And and one of the things, you know, people might think they're a conspiracy or unsettle people is is they're, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're, they, they have a certain need for secrecy, right? Right, and that's conspiratorial. That just reeks of conspiracy. Yeah. Because it's secret. Yeah. Unless you know the secret and have read the secret, and then you can just think <laughs> beautiful thoughts, and everything will be great. But uh, I mean, do, do you, what, what's the reason for being for being secret? I mean, I mean, other than you know, it's a, it's a big massive conspiracy. I mean, is, is they there... were just smart enough. I think the leadership in that group, and I don't, I don't even think Jeff knows that much about the details of this group, because I think it's kind of nebulous in a way. Right. I don't think that members really know what the agenda really is. I think they probably have some vague uh, uh, thing going on, but I really doubt that they're really working on some very intense, specific progress, uh, projects around the world. Um, I don't know, but I, I, I seem to think that, that maybe they're not. Uh, most of the membership, whatever. But they were smart. I mean, look, if we, you know, go out in the open and tell everyone what we're going to do, it's going to be harder to do it because people are going to question us. There might be legal issues, uh, you know, the AFL and, you know, whatever. Right. All these things will come down on us and it's going to be difficult to do what we like to do and we want to do what we like to do. If I'm in a little club, and it's the sign outside says no girls allowed. Right. And we want to hang out in here, and boys will be boys and do our own little thing. I don't want somebody to come in here and and mess it up for me. Right. Because I'm having a wonderful time doing what I love to do. So, I think they they. It just seems to me like it's almost. Uh, I, I I I maybe we should be really scared of these people, but I don't know. But it <laughs> seems kind of childish in a way. Right. But it, when what I understood from that is they just didn't want to play by the rules. And, you know, you don't raise your hand. I remember when I was doing some insurance business in, in China, and one of my partners said, well, we should become the first legal uh, international medical insurance company in China, and that'll be a barrier to entry. And then other other brokers won't come in and compete with us. And I said, man, don't go knocking on the, chi uh, on the Chinese uh, government door there because if you do, you're going to get taxed. <laughs> the first thing they're going to do is say, well, now you need thank you for telling me that you're making money in this business in China. Now you're going to need a license. We'll draw one up for you. We'll have one printed. It'll cost you $500,000. And then all your, your fun, nice, under-the-radar business that you've been doing quite well at just goes right out the window. Right, yeah. And, and too, it's like, um, I mean, you know, like a lot of people sort of donate 
anonymously, you know, and and sometimes for the reason that they, you know, they don't want to become part of the story. I mean, the uh, you know, like the JRF's million dollar prize, right? You know, the, I mean, the, the million dollars was donated by one individual who has always has never wanted to be named, and and pro- probably, I mean, he, you know, he doesn't want to be part of the story. You know, he just wants the million dollars to be the story, not that you know. Um, I mean, the person's still alive. So a lot of a lot of people thought it was Johnny Carson, but but apparently the person is still alive. So so you know so yeah. So sometimes you, if you are uh, you know in the public eye, it, 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 you can't get things done because the media now concentrates on on, on you. Um, so yeah. So because a group chooses to sort of be, be not be in the public eye doesn't necessarily sort of mean uh, you know a, a conspiracy I think stealthy power is uh, effective and probably and it's probably been effective forever in human civilization going back to Babylon and through the Roman Empire and whatever and the guys understand that and they want to keep you know certain things that they do secret and they want to conspire maybe and they have an agenda sure they do and maybe they even believe uh, what they're doing is 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 divinely inspired they're doing god's work or all of that kind of thing there's a lot of organizations around the world and and uh, whether they're religious or political or social that that really believe in what they're doing. I mean, you can be saving the whales or, you know, there's two very powerful scientific arguments for global warming is bad or it doesn't exist. And everybody has their their agenda. And, uh, you know, they don't want to be bothered. So, of course, they're going to keep it secret. But does that really mean that they're going to have any impact at all on on our world as we know it. Who knows? I mean, I don't know if you've read the uh, book Black Swan. No. But uh, it's about predictive ability, our ability to predict things. A black swan is, you you look around the world, all swans look white. Mm -hmm. So all swans must be white until you go to Australia and you find a black swan. Well, a black swan's a black swan. It might not have any impact on our world, but if we're if we're not looking, if we're not aware, if we're not paying attention, we can get hit by transformative or global events that can be extremely devastating, and we weren't paying attention. I think the economic problem that we've had uh, with the debt markets and all of that. I mean, come on, a lot of us saw that coming. Maybe, maybe not you or me because we're not focused on that, but a lot of people saw that coming. But the majority of people didn't, and it hits you like a ton of bricks, and then you have to deal with it. <laughs> I just wonder if these guys actually, uh, all these powerful people, really have the power that they think they have. I think uh, it's kind of a delusion in a way. Now, one of the interesting sort of things about the, about this group is we're sort of coming back to that div- divine right of kings, and, and this is where I think that um, you know that that don't panic in, in the fullness of time. Even even a secret organization is gonna is gonna come out. Uh, is that um, like 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 
they they have a view that um you know that that well it's like the the Jews were the chosen people but in, in their view they're no longer the chosen people rich, rich people are now sort of the the chosen people and and even if you you know kill a bunch of people uh you if you're chosen you're still you know you you, you can't be unchosen kind of thing is is that sort of their philosophy I think it's like Paul, you know, the letters okay. in, uh, in the New Testament. You know, the, this guy's out there. Suddenly he, he comes to Jesus. He, he becomes a real fanatic, starts writing letters. And, uh, and a lot of Christians interpret that as now he's explaining to us the spiritual side of all this stuff. You have the Old Testament, which is the law. And the law was created for the chosen people, which is the Jews. And now the Jesus comes and, hey, all bets are off, it's done. He sacrifices himself on the cross and and now we're done and a whole new paradigm starts. And we don't have to worry about all of that law stuff. We can, we can go back and look at it as a prophetic thing, uh, kind of uh, messages of things to come. But Jesus sorted all of that out and if you believe that, you're done. And now we can, you know, take up that banner again and extend it as long as we want. It's it's really kind of the New Testament is a and and the Apostle Paul is a is kind of a stroke of genius because it it's a paradigm shift in the whole Bible thing without right. going into all the historical stuff and right. and where things came from. But I think these guys are very smart. They 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 believe that. The new game is the Jesus game. Everything's been sorted out by that. But what I think, if there's any conspiracy, it's that a guy like Doug Coe is a smart guy and a, a, a guy who knows how to listen. I, I agree with uh, Brian Dunning when he says, you know, nobody's stupid. People aren't stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my. Uh, differentiation is no you're not stupid but you're dumb as <laughs> in you're not listening you're not right. paying attention okay you're, you're you're the deaf dumb and blind kid you know and uh uh i think these guys aren't stupid and they're not dumb and they've stumbled on a thing that makes a lot of sense i mean if i'm going to start a church a fellowship a family because a lot of churches, especially new churches, are are called fellowships. We're in fellowship with Christ. Mm-hmm. And if I want to get some mileage out of it, if I want to be the center of attention, if I want to have, if I want to be able to accomplish something, and if I really believe this Jesus stuff, uh, and I don't know what their, you know, plan is. I wish I did, and there wasn't much in there really about that in the book and so on. But uh, if it, what is their plan? I don't know. But anyway, they believe this. They're going to go out and they're going to talk to the movers and shakers. Mm-hmm. The, the tough guys, the badasses, the people who, you know, uh, have the money. And we're going to have real estate. And we're going to, it's like Reverend Sung Young Moon. You must be familiar with him. Oh, yeah. And the Unification Church. And we're going to unify everything. I mean, I don't know how one's going to do that, but obviously Sun Young Moon is the second coming or the third coming or whatever coming. 
at least he's coming. That's nice. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it's that type of thing. And it always runs out. Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh dies, you know, Osho dies of a heart attack or whatever, poisoning. And, and uh, Reverend Moon dies. But the organization keeps going. It keeps going because there's that compelling thing there that uh, we've accepted this new paradigm and we're living in this world of faith, which is basically a world where we have no evidence, but we believe it anyway. And uh, we're going to take it to the, the movers and shakers. Right. You know, if, if Bush and his people, in fact, brought down the World Trade Center buildings as a pretext for invading Iraq, for some odd and hitherto unknown reasons, did their subsequent actions achieve any success at all? And how do you define that success? You know, he's right. out, Obama's in, and we're all sitting back there going, step up, Barack, take power, take control, kick some ass, take some names, make it all right, you know, fix everything. No, I, I'm a team player. I want to work with people. I want to collaborate with <laughs> them and so on. And, and 10, 20 years later, we're going to look back and we're going to say, you know, historically speaking, George Bush was a great president because he actually did something, you know, right. even though it was totally bad. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll sort that out and interpret that in hindsight with 2020 uh, goggles on and we'll come up with a nice narrative uh, to explain why he was so great. And, you know, we'll, we'll frame it well, and we'll present it well, and we'll believe it. Mm -hmm. You're a guy in power, you, you're out of power, you know. But these right. guys, I think they really think that they're getting there. And there's no aphrodisiac better than money. There's, you know, power, power is the big thing. Well, that's sort of that's sort of a good segue into the whole you know the whole sex scandal thing, which I think this is this is sort of ultimately where they are sort of hoisted by their own petard is that they is that they you know that that if you're chosen you're chosen and it, it was sort of like King David you know King David was a he did a lot of evil horrible things but you know God didn't sort of you know I mean, at least according to the Bible you know God didn't sort of un you know, unchose him, and uh, and, and that's sort of their, their philosophy about politicians is that is that no matter what horrible things you do, you you're still you're still a made man, you know, and and so now there, there's a whole rash of like sort of like sex scandals like uh, uh, John Ensign and Mark Sanford, and you know they all had these mistresses and stuff, and then once you know the heat was on, they all went right to the sort of the family they in, in i guess in washington they have sort of like a little safe house or something and c they house or c street house or something like that right yeah so they they kind of went there i guess it's no longer like oh i'm i'm seeking yeah i'm going into rehab now it's like oh i'm going to the c street house and i'm going to pray this is the new sort of you know and then everything will be right with the world and 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 that that was kind of where people sort of started to pay attention like well, yeah, and these junior Congress people, they can go apparently and live there for way below market prices and, and whatnot while they're getting comfy in, in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And then so they think, can go there. Yeah, yeah I yeah. hear you. So I think ultimately, I think, you know, I mean, that, that's sort of the that's sort of going to be your undoing that if you 
if you toler Americans don't have a lot of tolerance for hypocrisy and and eventually so the cognitive dissonance sort of catches up so so if you um you know, if you begin to tolerate all this hypocrisy, you know, that these these so-called, you know, religious family men are, you know, sort of boinking, you know, Argentinian, uh, you know, Argentinians or something like that, then, then uh, you know, th- then people are going to go, well, who are you? What are you doing? And, 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 and so that was kind of their, that was, you know, they wanted to remain secret. Well, you can't really remain secret and then sort of... Uh, you know, facilitate this hypocrisy with very powerful politicians. You're, you're gonna, oh, you're gonna get noticed. Exactly. Sex, sex, sex. Sex yeah. is sex. Love is loving, and the mind is sexy. Yeah, I, and, I mean, it, it all boils down to that. That's the funny thing. That's what really shone the light on this whole issue. Without the sex scandals, uh, they would, there probably wouldn't be a, a Jeff book out there selling somewhere. Exactly. And I guess I, may, I should sort of narrow that down. That, that that sexual hypocrisy, I think, is the ultimate, you know, um, the, the ultimate deal killer in America. Like like as you were saying, you know, that these people can go around and and cut deals with like the world's most brutal dictators, like Suharto in, in Indonesia and and some some Central American or South American dictators, right? But um, you know. And and people just go you know whatever but right but once it's like you know you know uh, American politicians like having affairs that's boom that's what Americans won't tolerate and I don't get that because it's funny I mean I really don't get where that comes from in the demographic you know right uh, it, I mean come on I mean Bill Clinton he was only a decade ago right right. And I, I, he 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 flew through that. It's a brutal world, I think, over there, and people will use whatever they use. And for some reason, we have a hang-up on sex. I don't know where the the '60s came and went, and <laughs> all these other eras of of history where we didn't seem to have so much of a problem with that. But right. But you're right. It's the hypocrisy, and I think. Um, for for some people, I think that that's a big big problem. Yeah, uh, it's really not the sex; it's the hypocrisy. Yeah. Well, there's that French politician recently. I think he was like Mitterrand's son or something. You know, he right. came out with a, a book about um, about where he was like, you know, going and getting like young boys in Africa as prostitutes, and. Uh, and uh, and like he's still in power, you know, he didn't step down or anything. He's just like, well, whatever. And people are like, well, whatever. We are French. <laughs> this is what we do. Yeah, but I mean, we've been in, uh, uh, in in Africa for many many years. Yeah, why not? I mean, boinking the locals or just that's just part of the job, you know. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, that, I mean that would America that would definitely not fly. But yeah, I mean, other countries have. I wouldn't say liberal, but I, I don't even know if it's necessarily a, you know, a, 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 you know, a positive. But whatever, they just have a very different attitude about men in power, and the, you know, of course, they're going to have mistresses. Whatever, get on with it. I don't know. The other, the other thing they, they, the family they get criticized for, and we sort of talked about that a lot, where where they they're sort of running around the world, and I mean, I mean they're almost negotiating. 
was I think it was like the Camp David Accords with Menachem Begin and uh, Anwar Sadat. I, I think they were sort of instrumental, in even bringing those two together. That that um, that, that, that the sort of either sort of you know tacitly or or um, you know just on their own, they're they're sort of talking to dictators and and trying to make them more favorable to the United States. And, and some people sort of say, well, oh, this is a violation of, of the Logan Act, which was sort of a, a God, it was an act right. sort of passed, uh, I think, uh, near the end of the 19th century or sometime then. But uh, sort of saying that, you know, like, you know, America, well, people claim it sort of means that, you know, you uh, average Americans just can't sort of go abroad and, and negotiate with foreign governments on, on behalf of the United States. But, but if you sort of read yeah. the... You say if you sort of read the bill and sort of read what it was it, it was written for it was it was during this um it was sort of like kind of a small war between America and France it was called the mini war or the mini French war or something and then that's right yeah yeah so some guy was sort of trying to like you know talk with the French and like negotiate you know a peace treaty and the American government's like who's this guy and and so it, it it basically is sort of really meant like if there's like a if there's like a shooting war going on between America and another nation that that's when you bring down the Logan Act is that you you, you can't then sort of you know Jesse Jackson can't sort of then go to uh, you know go to the Taliban and, and negotiate you know uh, you know a uh, uh, a peace treaty, <laughs> but but that um, would be a mess. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's yeah. good reasons for that. that. Yeah, that just doesn't work. Yeah, but but if, if you're a private citizen and you want to go talk to a world leader and say, you know what, I I think it should be a lot more cool to America. That that's that's not a violation of, of the Logan Act. You know, it's like, it's, so so there. I don't think they're. Technically, in, in violation of the the Logan Act, un, unless I mean they're they're literally trying to, you know, put themselves between America and you know an, an an actual enemy America is shooting bullets at. Right. As far as I know, there's there's no nothing like that. As far as I know. Yeah. So no, I mean you know, but. You know, uh, that's the thing. It's a it's a big gray area, and I don't think these people. Well, the thing is, a lot of the members are in the government, mm -hmm. so um, kind of reminds me of of the that what was that film about Afghanistan where the guy got the the uh, rocket propelled uh, Mars rockets or whatever to shoot down the Soviet. Ah, uh, helicopters. The, oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, well, I'm thinking there was a movie called The Beast where uh, where uh, a guy... This yeah. is a true story uh, about a, a congressman who... What is that? It's oh, 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 right, right, yes. Okay. Oh, this is a more recent movie. Wow, I'm thinking of another movie, <laughs> The Beast. Uh, right. Um, God, I can't even remember who, who, who was in it. Uh, well, he was passionate, and he he went out there, and he said, "We we can we can help the Afghani people defeat the Soviets if we just back them up." And it worked. Uh, they got them the equipment they needed, and it it really uh, did a lot to to, to help um, defeat the the Soviets at that time. And then, of course, 
in true fashion, we just walk away afterwards. Right, yes. We don't follow up or follow through. We just kind of say, okay, that was good. Now let's move on to the next thing. <laughs> All right. And uh, now, well, I think what, uh, even, even the author, Jeff, Jeff Charlotte, I mean, he, you know, he's like, well, I don't think that's a conspiracy. He doesn't call it a conspiracy. But no. he, does, he does take these people to task. He's, he's like, he, he would much rather have them doing it in the public square than sort of, you know, doing it in, in, in secret. That's right. And that's, I think, the main point of his book is like, okay, you, you guys uh, have an agenda. You have something that you want to do. And you have to be on the soapbox in the public square uh, sharing your ideas and your position so that somebody else can can discuss it with you and debate it with you and we can you know blah 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 but honestly that that that's unrealistic as well in a way mm-hmm. because uh, no we don't necessarily have to go out there and I don't have to tell you what I really think right. and if I have a little club and we don't want to tell anyone what we really think we also have a right to privacy as well as to free speech supposedly and and maybe I don't want to share that with anybody. Um, again, you just keep coming back around the circle and saying, um, is anything they're doing, like the Logan Act or this or that, is it illegal? Is it potentially dangerous? Could the impact be like a black swan impact right. where it really uh, creates some serious trouble for everybody? Or is it just an innocent kind of goofball uh, group and it's hard to say it really is but you do have to keep your eye on on organizations like that because they they're passionate they're working with real players in the world whether they're in the US government or somewhere else Uh, they have a very strong ideological belief that they're doing God's work and whatnot. And that just is a dangerous formula because you can really make gigantic mistakes when you have that much fervent belief in something. I mean, we went through eight years with George Bush Bush and we've done what we had to do in that time and I don't know if we've accomplished anything. But one thing you can say when you put like-minded people in the green zone to, to do complex work uh, cross culture and all this other stuff in a, in a, in a complicated uh, insurgency and, and you have the religious Shiite and Sunni and all that stuff and you put like-minded people in there that don't have a clue they don't speak the language they don't know anything at the end of the day you're, you're setting yourself up for some major problems and pain. And yeah. the pain is real, and you can quantify that. Uh, and it, do you really think that you're going to get long-term value out of that conflict, out of that strategy? No. But I do believe that that group of people uh, who made those decisions, who stepped up and took that power and implemented those po- policies and and all of that, they believe passionately in what they're doing and they lack uh, the self-critical uh, kind of 
ability to step outside uh, your whims and your prejudices and have a really uh, deep look at what you're trying to do. It's unfortunate, but, you know, politicians, leaders who come in and are introspective, are complex thinkers, are careful, are, are concerned about, you know, uh, the real truth of the situation and they have to create a consensus and work with team members and get things done politically and all of that. They don't always make it. Right. But you know, the uh, leaders that stand up and say, hey, we, we know what we want to do, they're the ones that drive history. So in that way, this click could be scary. Well, I don't know. When I hear about something like this, I always I always try to think of um, I go, what if they were like like the you know like the hog producers of America, pork producers of America, and the pork producers of America they 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 get together in like a smoky room and they go, you know what, we're going to write legislation, we're going to write a, a law that will benefit us, and then you know they they call it sample legislation. And then they go to their, you know, to their representative or their senator, and they go, they go, ah, oh, we, we would, this would really help us. Uh, here's the legislation. You don't got to do any work. Uh, just, you know, introduce it. And then the senator goes, uh, yeah, you know, it will, you know, more jobs for my state or whatever. Uh, I'm going to do that. And he doesn't necessarily even read the law himself. You know, so, some flunky tells him, yeah, yeah, it's good. We'll just change a word here, change a word there. And then it gets made into a law and and it's that that's the way a lot of legislation gets done in, in America and you can talk about influence and stuff like that but the end of the day um you, you got to look at what your politician is doing is he doing what you want or or not and vote for him or don't vote for him you know so you know do you want America to be in bed with a bunch of dictators yes or no vote for that you know because <laughs> I, I, I yeah i mean is there any way we can ever eliminate the mormon church's influence you know or uh you know the you know the southern baptists influence or um i mean let's just not pick on them you know you know the um uh you know environmentalist influence or you know people like that is there any way PETA? can we ever eliminate their influence and what they kind of do you know pick yeah. your lobby Pick your lobby. Yeah. What they Absolutely. do, they do a lot of stuff in smoky rooms, right? And, uh, or, you know, or I don't know what the smoke is always. It might not be tobacco smoke, but, you know, <laughs> hookahs might be involved sometimes. But, yeah. And, and then they then bring it forward and try to get the, uh, you know, try to bring their influence forward. So, I mean, I don't know. Can, can we ever eliminate that? No, we can't. Uh, this is politics, and ever since we settled in larger groups than, you know, family units scuffing up our feet in the jungles, <laughs> you know, right? We've had politics, and uh, you, you can't eliminate it. But I think what Jeff is trying to say is, uh, we need to pay attention to these kinds of people, and we have to understand where they're coming from. And uh, 
it's kind of funny and absurd in a way because what's the secret? I mean, we we know about them now at least mm-hmm. <laughs> since the sex scandals and whatnot. But there are, uh, you know, all kinds of organizations out there fighting for what they their agenda, mm-hmm. like you say. And there's always going to be uh, people doing that. The thing about the U.S. and I've been outside of the U.S. for a long time, looking in from outside. It's it's like Herzog, Werner Herzog said, "You, the United States is the most exotic country in the world." And I know what he means. Once you've lived outside of it for a long time and looked back in, it's an unusual place. It's a unique place. And uh, it's still an experiment, and it's not perfect, and it's a battleground. Mm-hmm. People in the U.S. are fighting the good fight all the time, no matter what side of, of an issue you're on, and they keep fighting. And they fight passionately and skillfully, and uh, nobody ever comes out on top for too long. You have your victories and your losses. Uh, you know, I... I characterized uh, pain as a sports injury. Uh, if, you, if you didn't play, you wouldn't get hurt. But you play and you get hurt, and eventually you'll heal and you'll play again. So we're not going to eliminate any of that stuff. But we have to pay attention. If, if you're a skeptic, if you're a critical thinker, if you're, if you're somebody who wants to advocate for science... If you believe that that has value, that that value is profound and important to the world, uh, you have to stand up and you have to get out there. And any means that you think is right with you and yours, make make an effort. Do what you got to do. Uh, my grandmother used to say, Stephen, you know, there's there's a it takes all kinds of people to make the world go around. Mm-hmm. And if we didn't have the struggle, if we didn't have the, the the family out there to think about and talk about and maybe fight against, maybe struggle against, uh, we wouldn't be doing much. We wouldn't be creating much. We wouldn't be producing much. We wouldn't be learning much. We wouldn't be growing much. We'd be already dead. <laughs> Very true. And that's the funny thing, like a place like Denver that probably has two or 3,000 sports bars. It's like, why? <laughs> How many do you need? Or, uh, you know, a place like Tokyo that has a 12-story building that's full of bars on every floor. <laughs> it's like, How many do you need? And uh, But they're, they're all different. Maybe one's your cup of tea, maybe it isn't, but... We seem to like the drama, the competition, the struggle, and that's all good. Use it or lose it. Your brain stays plastic if you're using your brain, and your body continues to stimulate chemicals in your brain and body that, that tell you, that con you into thinking that you're still growing, and that keeps you young, that keeps you in the game, as it were. So I think it's all good in a, in a weird way, but... I think that uh, if if you've got to keep an eye on everybody and you have to take sides and you have to decide uh, who you're with and who you're against and then you have to step up and you have to do what you got to do and 
you know, I voted for Barack Obama. I hope he's going to step up and do something. Not that I know what should be done, but anyway, I'm hoping the guy will lead. And these people seem to have, uh, you know, anybody who's going to run for office and go through all the hell mm-hmm. where you raise your hand and you say, look at me, I'm the answer. I'm the guy that's going to take us, you know, to the next level. Uh, you know, when you're a young entrepreneur and you've never done anything in your life and you start a company and, and your, your grandmother and your brother and your best friend from junior high school is in your, your team, they're in the company, and you print CEO on your business card. Uh-huh. It's like, where are the executives? I'm, I'm chief executive officer of who? <laughs> there aren't any. But anyway, I, I stand up and I say, I'm going to be the entrepreneur. I'm, I've got the ideas and I'm going to run this thing and make a million dollars. And it, it's great. I mean, you stand up and do it. If you have that kind of personality that's going to want to get into the public realm like that and take all the flack and uh, all the hassles of it. You, you have to be a special kind of person. Not all of us have the ability to do that. So I think the family is like looking at... And, and the, vulnerable, the vulnerability is a, is a profound vulnerability because it's called faith. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why I believe in Jesus, but the whole thing just seems really compelling to me. So I'm a Christian and and... It's profound, and it's a big, major part of my my life and my identity and my community and and my experience growing up and whatever. And uh, and these guys are a fellowship of guys that love Jesus just like I love Jesus. And we're going to go out and you know uh, make things happen. The the perverse angles of it, which I can't imagine anybody with a brain would sit through, <laughs> is when somebody's standing up there saying, you know, Hitler and Mao Zedong and Stalin, you know, right, this yeah. is a model. Right, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, come on, buddy, you're stretching a little bit there. Yeah. Well, like I said, that's, I, I, that's weird. That, that's ultimately the other they're undoing is, is that they're, you know, when you have this sort of weird philosophy like that, it's gonna, you're gonna, the contradictions are going to become soon apparent. And um, I mean, there were, there were some politics, I forget who it was. It might've been um, um, McCain or somebody, some, some politician was sort of, was it Doug Coe was sort of as if like this was his spiritual advisor. And, uh, and then someone sort of hauled out the uh, Doug Coe's sort of, you know, Hitler video where not, D- Doug Coe is not an anti-Semite. In fact, that, that, they, that the family really supports Israel a whole lot. Uh, I mean, arguably, it's just a means to an end. But, but he was rambling on about how Hitler is, you know, this, this great example of his philosophy. And, you know, and that was once that video sort of came out, you know, McCain was like, see ya. <laughs> so, so, yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, I guess we should 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 wrap up. But uh, so the uh, you, you know the final question. Yes, I do because oh. I'm a fan. All right, all right. So, Stephen, what is your what is your favorite small kitchen appliance? And I hope it's something like exotic to Asia. Gee, gosh, 
Okay, I'm going to have to think now down the list. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know, I, I just like a frying pan. Really? Oh, no, the last one was the frying pan. We had the pan. The I, can do, I can do it. Oh, really? Somebody was a, Okay. A, yeah. a, an exotic Asian. Yeah. Thing. Give okay. me something a exotic. Nabe, a, yeah. My nabe pot. Okay, cool. What's that? Uh, nabe is uh, is kind of a stew, a soup that they make in Korea and Japan. Okay. And you can put miso in it and vegetables and oysters and meats and whatever. And you just keep topping Topping off, it's it's a clay pot basically. Okay. And and you you put it on the on the fire and heat it up and put all kinds of really good stuff in it and you just keep eating, keep filling it up, keep putting in good stuff, and it's a it's a fantastic um, way to eat. It's just a really wonderful um, type of cuisine over here. All right, cool. So I love my nabe, and because it's winter time, and yes, it does get a little bit chilly, Bob, in Hong Kong in the winter. Mm-hmm. I'll be breaking out my nabe. All right, well, and it, did you have anything you want to sort of promote? I mean, you, you don't do like a blog or a podcast, but I mean, you have a business. Um, did, did well, you want, did not you want really. To... But one thing I'm trying to do, and I did start a blog, but okay, uh, I I want to I. <laughs> I'm playing around with stru- trying to get together a group called a Free Thought Fellowship. Okay. Ah. In in Hong Kong, and uh, just get together and just talk talk to free thinkers, not as skeptics in the cl- in the pub type of thing. Right. But if there are any people out there who are not religion isn't their thing, but they're still involved in churches for whatever social reason or because they like the fellowship but they maybe they'd rather get together and, and talk about things like we talked about tonight right. we could get together and have a free thought fellowship instead of you know our christian fellowship or this or that or right. thing. Right. That's, that's just an idea it's not a bad idea that's in hong kong right you're in yeah. hong kong right yes okay free thought fellowship blog that i just started so Okay. If anybody wants to look for that and, and you know, hold me to task and uh, comment, I'd love it okay, <laughs> because it's cool. kind of a lonely blog right now. So Okay. I'll, I'll post up the links to that on the uh, on the show notes and uh, unless unless you have an easy to give Earl. Uh, I'll, I, I'll give it to you. you Hit me. Oh, okay. So, oh, okay. Okay, cool. All right, then we'll have a good. Uh, I guess it's nighttime there for you, daytime for me. All right, have a good, have a good Sunday night there, Stephen. Thank you, Carl. I'm telling you, you've got fans over here in Hong Kong and China, no doubt. All right. So we're part of that four thousand, and I thought that's a little light, my friend. Uh, I, I thought you were going to say you had like a hundred thousand or something. Oh no, I'm still, I'm still waiting for the uh, the fan, the uh, the fan, the listener in uh, in the Czech Republic. <laughs> oh, that'll be nice. <laughs> I always make allusions to that. Yeah, Kazakhstan. That would be good. All right then. Take take care. Thanks, Carl. Take care. All right. Bye bye.